the Agostin Hosinga show with your host Agostin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and this is episode number 589. This is 589 of the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and I hope you're doing well wherever this podcast may find you. I hope you are doing splendid, 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 splendid. How am I? I'm doing pretty good. I've got a little weird um thing on my lips so i've had to put one of those little plasters on it to make it go away and no if you're asking i haven't been licking out crackheads i've just got it on my lip because i've had a bit of a crazy couple of weekends in terms of eating crazy food and drinking a bunch so you know when your defenses are down and you're not really consuming the right stuff in your body stuff tends to kind of like manifest in sometimes rashes and bumps and stuff that tells you hey get some fiber in your body and stop eating fucking Popeyes so I've done that of course um so that's basically what's happened what is going on it feels like one of my tonsils is slightly inflamed again which is a little bit of a worry but it's not hurting as much as it was before so I'm kind of calm about it and apart from that I've been trying to go to the gym these days um but god almighty it's difficult in this heat I know some of you guys don't actually live in the UK, but if you're not aware, then the UK has been um, absolutely bombarded with an absolutely crazy, crazy heat wave the last couple of days. Um, it's been pretty good in terms of a, in terms of a kind of a, how would you say, in terms of a, in terms of a, in terms of a view, in terms of something to look at right i think I'm, i mentioned this every day on twitter i honestly do think london looks the best in the sun like i know people like to say oh it's great and it's raining and it's cold and shit and it's snowing but in my opinion london in the sun is unbelievable like london summers are really really amazing especially when it's really hot and it's really sunny outside and people are just having fun and whatnot and frolicking around it's there's no place better than it the problem is that we don't really have a lot of things to do because it's rarely hot so people don't consistently put on events because they have no idea if that event is going to pop off next year because it could be raining do you know what I mean so there is no kind of like summer culture really that exists in the UK apart from going to the parks and attending events and stuff but it's not a real culture around it that's the only concerning part of it but one of the worrying things about London and why it hurts the UK when it really is warm is that we are not set up like infrastructure wise to accommodate that kind of stuff from the way our buildings are insulated to the way our homes are built to the way traffic is organized um to how we just basically maneuver around the city to the clothes that we wear um to the lack of fans and air conditioning in most households we are not a place set up well for like heat waves so when the heat wave happens it's very difficult to kind of um to kind of go about your everyday life and i've been struggling number one to stay away because when it when the heat hits you i just end up sleeping number two to just not feel like i'm sticky and have to take 17 showers and number three go to the gym because I go to a, you know, a local council gym, right, government-funded gym, a gym where that's been heavily subsidised, 
via government grants and whatnot. So it's an amazing gym because essentially I get to pay, what is it, like £25 a month or something for essentially any time gym, um, which is incredible. And it's only like 10 minutes away from me. So it's super good. And it opens from like 6am, it closes at 10. So there's plenty of time to get a workout in, especially considering how flexible my work days are. But the building itself, number one, the windows are open. So it's kind of like, you know, those old, you know, those hotels that you go to where they don't let you open the windows because, I don't know, they're afraid you might jump out of it or something. But then it's also got those really, really thick um, double glazed windows, I guess, that are really good at keeping the heat. So it's really good in terms of like heat, money saving, whatever that term is called. But then when it's really hot, it kind of acts like a magnifying glass to me anyway. I'm not sure if that's actually the case and maybe scientifically I'm wrong, but to me it feels like a magnifying glass because it basically emits all the heat around you plus everyone's bodies, right? And then also there's no air conditioning, no real notable air conditioning, not a proper one anyway. So you end up being very sticky and very wet very quickly when you're in there. Now it's good for your kind of placebo thing in your brain to think that you're working hard because you're sweating buckets and shit but in practicality terms it does make you feel disgusting it makes you feel super self-conscious um and then you waste more time kind of worried that you look or smell or just sorry they look disgusting or smell disgusting rather than kind of focusing on your workout which is me or you just generally just don't want to go because you don't want to feel gross um but i did power through it I did kind of put my big boy trousers on and do it anyway and it was perfectly fine and if anything what ends up happening when the heat wave because it's so warm and so hot there most people don't end up going because why would you go purposely to, to a place where you're not going to get any air conditioning and you're going to be mowing do you know what I mean so it not make any sense um, small round again about the gym because why not because it's a bit of a slow news day there's not really much to talk about but slow rural rant for me we have an online portal and an app as well that I use to kind of pre-book your sessions. And I think they brought this in place, if I'm not mistaken, during the pandemic. When, you know, when gyms weren't open, they were closed and then they did reopen. And when they reopened, they had to enforce all these little kind of restrictions in terms of only a certain amount of people could go in the space at one time. Um, you had to be evenly spaced. Well, and wipe down the workbenches. Like, loads of stupid stuff. Wear a mask. It was just really G-A-Y, right? Nonsense sort of stuff. But during that period they implemented a booking system because before there was no booking system before you just sort of like turned up within the time frame of your kind of membership right so if you had an off-peak membership you turn up whatever that time is and if it was peak you turn up whenever that time is and if you don't you know you, you just basically wouldn't get tapped tapped in no problem and um that system has worked pretty well, I think, in general, because I think what it's helped do is that if you're if you're serious about going to the gym, you know, sorry, it's in it's put in it's put like another step in the process. So one step to kind of book your session is to kind of get on the app and book it. So if you don't book it, then you can't basically can't go to at the time you want to go because you won't have the ability to kind of scan through the gates. But then on the flip side of things, because it's an app and a platform, it has to be managed. And because it's a flipping local council thing. I don't really imagine there's many people out there who are managing it, right? Who are kind of doing the um, the backhand kind of, what would you call it? Problem shooting, troubleshooting, and just kind of keeping an eye of it. So over the last week or so, it went down and I haven't been able to book my sessions on there, which essentially means you have to just turn up and hope for the best when you go to reception. And the reception of this local gym is just a nightmare because there's always one, it kind of reminds me of like going to like a, the DVLA or something, right? To go get your driver license or whatnot. Um, it just feels like everything takes ages to do it. And I've, I've noticed a lot when it comes to council, when it comes to like local council sort of stuff, like in terms of the NHS, in terms of the gym and whatever it may be. 
as long as you don't need anything to be done very quickly, you're fine. As long as you're okay to kind of wait, to bide your time, to give people, you know, to kind of be patient and whatnot, you're pretty, you're pretty going to be going to be okay. But if you're in some sort of hurry, if you're, you know, worried, anxious, in the rush, whatever it may be, suddenly local council stuff becomes really, really annoying because in my head, I'm thinking if you knew your platform was down to book online for like a few, it's been like a few days now, it feels like maybe a week, and you knew people were going to have to just turn up and quote-unquote book a session in real life or whatever, maybe or explain their reasoning, then it would make more sense, I think, in my head to have more people in reception to deal with those complaints or to deal with those kind of issues or whatnot. But again, I turn up to the gym to go work out and there's one person at the desk, right, one girl. And essentially every person that's going to her has kind of got their own little story, their own little issue that they need to get done. And as would have it, everyone's got like a long issue. It's not like a quick, oh, can you help me with this? It's always like some sort of explanation, check the computer, blah, blah, blah. And it just takes ages to get served. And I was just standing there thinking, God almighty, man, what a ridiculous system. Like, why don't you have two people here on a, on a reception? And after a while, I just got a little bit irate about it and saw a group of, you know, little primary school kids walking in to go and do their swimming class and just thought, you know what, I'm just going to line up behind them and pretend I'm a primary school kid too and just walk in because I can't be standing here waiting for them to kind of figure out what's going on and let the queue go down before I go and work out because, yeah, it just didn't make any sense. But that's the only thing that kind of was a bit annoying. But apart from that, the queue's been crazy. Um, I'm not one to complain about it too much. I still think, like I said, London is at its best when it's warm and it's hot. Everyone's in a good mood. Um, you know, for the most part, men's fashion suffers greatly. I feel like in the summer, I've always said like women look the best, the cutest in, in summer, and then guys look the best in winter, especially when it comes to jackets and shit. I think a, a good jacket, a good pair of jeans could make a dude look, you know, could make a dude go from a four to an eight really quickly. Whereas in the summer, girls have loads of little tricks and flicks they can do to make themselves look pretty. And usually, for a girl, it doesn't matter what you look like, a bit of skin, a bit of shoulder, and guys are going to go a bit crazy for you anyway in the summer because everyone seems to be way, way more thirsty and hungry when the sun's beaming or whatnot. So that's been pretty cool to see. And um, yeah, that's been about it really for the most part I've been on. Um, but yeah, I'm going to move on to some topics now that I kind of want to get through and bang on with. Oh, actually, let's talk about this actually quickly. This is something I've been up to. So over the weekend, I went to um, Innervisions Lost in the Moment UK. Now, if you're wondering what that is, Innervisions is a record label collective of DJs that I'm a real big fan of, headed up by sorry, headed up by Dixon with a bunch of other artists on there too that you might have heard of, such as Tricks, um, <laughs> um, Jimmy Jules, and a few other people. And they usually play a lot of kind of what you would term or what I would deem to be like melodic house, which I hate the kind of name because I think it's really G.A.Y. But essentially they play loads of like great house music, deep house, you know, regular house music, whatever it may be called. And um, they just have a really cool aesthetic about them. They seem to take DJing very, very seriously. They've kind of crossed over in a somewhat commercial side with the collaborations with GTA They've also done a lot of stuff in Ibiza recently, some stuff in Miami, and they've kind of done it in a very tasteful way, but they're clearly trying to expand the sort of like Indivision sound and the taste level and whatever it may be to parts worldwide, isn't it? And because the genre of house music they play, I feel like is a lot more, how would you call it? is a lot more accessible. Like you could play that sort of stuff in the background of a H&M. You could play in like a, 
you know, an underground party somewhere. You could play in a hotel lounge somewhere in the middle of LA, like the standard or something, and no one's gonna really gonna bat an eyelid. It's not really gonna force people to leave or make people go to the reception and say, Can you turn that off? You know, kind of not simply, which is the opposite of what happens to kind of stuff like hardcore that everyone's a big fan of the kind of music that you might hear at like a possession. So the kind of music I feel like it sort of has a wide it has a opportunity to kind of touch a lot more people than other maybe genres would have right so that's really good about that and they got this party series that they also do called lost in the moment and from what i understood from reading loads of interviews and listening to dixon talk about it the whole idea behind it was to kind of put on these amazing parties in these really far-flung places or maybe quote-unquote unconventional places and to essentially have a party where people would quote-unquote get lost in the moment they'd be ingratiated or sort of like absorbed within their environment and they'd sort of sort of kind of like surround surrender themselves to their surroundings right and allow the djs to sort of like guide them on this journey right on this kind of spiritual soundscape you know journey thing you know with house music playing in the background and people off their face on cat and 2cb and whatnot so that was basically the premise around it but um over the years maybe it's sort of like changed a little bit in terms of like how strict they are with how where they put them in the interesting places they do because they've done them in places like israel and whatnot and you know just cool looking places around europe and whatnot but i feel like nowadays they've maybe just turned it into a quasi party series that they can do in different places and pop up because they did one in paris and obviously did one here in the uk where i went to which was in kind of bedford area which was like what an hour and a half outside of london and it was a really decent event um the tickets were very well priced i think considering the level of talent that was available to go and see i think it was priced around 50 pounds or something 50 to 80 pounds i think the tickets and essentially you got to see the entire um innovisions roster maybe with the exception of a couple people and also the, with the inclusion of someone like a Gerd Jansen who I'm a big fan of, DJ Holographic who I've also been kind of raving about for a long time who for whatever reason has been really welcomed with open arms by that crew. I'm not sure sure why but I do like it. Like they, they kind of plucked this kind of girl who I'm pretty sure is from Detroit out of quote unquote nowhere and sort of like brought her into that kind of world. It's really, really cool because I'm sure that's those kind of looks have really contributed and helped her kind of get loads of gigs and bookings and stuff so that's really cool to see. And then a few other people too were included by Essentially, it's an Innovision source showcase. But it does feel like they've kind of relaxed their parameters around it because essentially this Lost in the Moment was in Bedford. It wasn't in the most kind of um, unique place because we've been there prior for another Innovision event um, or another kind of Innovision type style event, which is a labyrinth open air where they book a lot of Innovision people to play too. And they did that at the same place, which is a place called Toft Manor, which is essentially like a an amazing country mansion i don't know sort of like place right make big fields an amazing house and essentially i guess the person who owns it or whoever it may be has allowed it to kind of be used by promoters and party people to put on events and to kind of create this kind of one-off kind of experience for people um especially nowadays that most clubbing events are kind of all the same so that's fairly decent and then of course those transports that they kind of organized from the bed local bedford station all the way to a train station that was pretty decent all of it was really done well and i think having gone to a few labyrinth events myself who are the people that put on lost in a moment i think in collaboration with Innovision, i'm pretty sure it was a collab sort of thing i think so anyway um i have to say it was very very well done i'm sure maybe on their side they probably would have liked to have sold more tickets because they did feel like they didn't sell enough or they didn't sell as much as they probably would have hoped considering the, 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 the amount of people that were there it wasn't exactly like full as maybe other events have been and obviously seeing them send out loads of emails about tickets really selling out because you know i've been a promoter myself so i know what the game is and i know that whole kind of you know 
game that you do in terms of like telling people that stuff is sold out and we're close to selling out when it hasn't really because if it did you wouldn't be sending people reminders because you'd be too busy selling um but in general in the post-pandemic world where people have sort of like changed their where people have changed their priorities and their hobbies and they maybe just moved on and matured in different aspects i still think it was a decent turnout and the good thing that i did like about it, as i'm going to play here in this video is that I think in general maybe it's a maybe it's a labyrinth thing maybe it's an innovations thing, but I do like the I, I do like the fact that for the most part the crowd is extremely diverse in terms of ages, um, which I think makes for a far better party. I think I've sat on here already and moaned and moaned about how annoying I felt the whole Bergen experience and Berlin was in general because it felt like it was just like a one type or two type of people that kind of attended those things and just being copied and pasted along the way and they were very kind of. Um, you know what would you call it up their own ask and hipstery and just kind of annoying to be around whereas i felt like the people that i bumped into and spoke to at lost in the moment uk was such a good vibe they legitimately made it an, a good event and that's also considering like i've said it wasn't as busy as it probably should have been um and essentially they kind of made up for all that kind of stuff do you know what i mean like it's like if most you put on a, a, a house party not a lot of people turn up but the people that do turn up are super safe they legitimately they legitimately made the party even better than what it probably could have been if it was just left as it was um and i got i recorded a quick video here that i'm going to play that kind of shows you some of the things that were grinding whilst i was there to kind of give you an idea what it was about and uh, yeah But yeah, as you can tell from the video, so I'll take, take a quick pull there. It was a fairly, it was a, it was a really good crowd. I'm not going to say fairly good. It was a really, really good crowd. Like, I really had a good time. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's far more better videos, courtesy of the Innovision Lovers group. So if you're a fan of that kind of music, definitely recommend you check them out on Facebook. I'm really not engaged in it as much as I should be because I think the community on here is really, really splendid. But if you want to have a better idea of what the event was like i definitely recommend you check out the individuals um lovers group here on facebook they'll kind of give you a better idea of what the day kind of entailed and how people were vibing and whatnot and the good vibes that i had by all but in general like i said um having been a kind of long-term supporter and fan of what labyrinth do and kind of supported and gone to a lot of their events i definitely have to say in terms of what they've done at tough manor and what they've done just in general in terms of production this 100 percent was one of the best ones 
definitely 100% was one of the best ones. I had an incredible, 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 incredible time there. I met some really fun people. Everyone was really on a good vibe. It felt like, oddly enough, one of the most safest, I felt like, events too. I felt like even all the lads were kind of on their best behaviour as well. I felt, I felt like I saw a lot more groups of girls there than I've ever done in a long time, which kind of speaks to maybe people feeling safe and not feeling as if they're going to be creeped on a lot of the times. I just thought everyone was just really on a good time everyone was just really there to have you know to have a bit of a dance have a bit of a boogie get on a bit have some drinks and just chill out even the bar situation was a little bit sketchy in terms of the wait times or whatnot and the whole having to buy a drink and hold on to it and get a pound back that nonsense but overall i still liked it i saw that every single part of it i thought every single part of it was fucking brilliant brilliantly brilliantly done the only thing i'd have to say was the issue for me was the fact that they wouldn't release the the set sorry the the fucking um the set list or set whatever you call it how would you call it set list is a set list they wouldn't release who played what time people were playing right and it's a general pet peeve of mine when it comes to uk clubs for some reason there's this culture around uk nightclubs where for the most part when it comes to big events with big djs they tend not to put out the set list ahead of time which is the complete opposite of what happens in, the, on, in Europe, right? In places like Berlin and other places too. I've seen it happen in Amsterdam. I've seen it happen in some clubs in Georgia and shit. I've seen it happen in Cuban clubs in Paris. They would always put out the set list of who's playing ahead of time. So even if it's like a day ahead or a couple of hours before the event, you have an idea of who's playing at what time because if you went to see a certain DJ, you could come just when they're playing or you could also maybe say, hey, I'm going to watch this other person play who I don't know. That's going to lead me into a person I do want to see. But regardless, you really bought your ticket. And I feel like in London, and the UK in general, they have this idea that for some reason, they, they, they have this weird kind of idea that if they put out the set list beforehand, people will only turn up to hear the person that they want to hear. And then I guess because most clubs in the UK or just in general anyway, can't really survive off the back of ticket sales alone. They have to make sure people are there early enough to drink a lot so they can make their money back as well. Do you know what I mean? So I think the reason why they don't put out the set list or whatnot beforehand is because they want to ensure people come as early as possible, drink as much as possible, so that they can also make the money back on the bar and also they've got the guaranteed money of the tickets. But if you put out a set list ahead of time, maybe you'll have people coming in later, which might mean you might miss out on four hours of bar money. Do you know what I mean? With people coming in and stuff, which I think is nonsense really because for an, a destination sort of like day festival like um, Lost in the Moment UK, which was outside of London, you had to travel to it unless you're from the local area. It doesn't make no sense because you like people have got it. People, people who are going to come are going to come. You're not going to get any last minute people buying tickets to on on a day to go out an hour and a half outside of London. So just give us a set list. And then to make it worse, the set list was only available at location and it was available like, what, a five minute walk away from the main, not five, that's, it, that's not really dramatic, a, a two minute walk away from the fucking main floor. So you have to kind of go around the sort of field to go around the kind of back way area and they put it on this sort of like weird bl plastic clear glass sort of panel thing, which is, I guess, meant to be some sort of like arty sort of contraption. I don't know what it was, but it was just kind of hard to read. And you have to kind of, everyone's kind of going around there taking pictures of it and kind of passing it around. And I thought that was a bit lame, personally, for me. I would have much preferred just to put the set list out beforehand, let people know how they can plan their day, how they can maybe space out their drugs and their drinking so they couldn't peak too early. 
Do you know I mean, and move on with the next events, but I kind of find that a little bit annoying. But apart from that, I was a big fan of everything. It was nice to kind of bump into um, or take pictures of Jimmy Jules and Trix actually when I was there. Um, Trix actually I bumped into randomly at Shoreditch when I went out for dinner. Um, I kind of spooked him, I guess, when I was crossing the street, as I usually tend to do. I kind of don't realize how big I am to other people, do you know what I mean, or how maybe odd I may look to other people. So sometimes when I'm just like walking around, I'll just see someone, I'll shout out their name and they'll probably think, oh my God, he's going to come rob me or I don't know, whatever, he's going to bend me over. I don't know what they're kind of thinking. And he, you know, Tricks had a kind of scared, shook face and kind of just scuttled away. But I kind of brought it up when I did, when I did see him at Flipping Indivision, sorry, at the Lost in the Moment and he did kind of have a laugh. But I was like, oh yeah, I remember you. Sorry, I was in my own world sort of thing, but that was kind of fun to see. And um, just in general, man, I think, I, actually I took a picture of Jimmy Jules when we were there one of the DJs that was playing there and it's interesting to see because when we went to see Jimmy Jules play at Fold um, this must have been a few years a couple of years ago right for the, like an Indivision label night it was really one of the best best Indivision label nights or Indivision type events I've been to in a while one of the best nights I've been to Fold and also one of the best sets I've heard Dixon play Dixon was loving it playing for that crowd he was really going for it like I think he kind of got some um, flashbacks or vibes or kind of looks yeah some flashbacks of like his early years playing at Robert Johnson in Frankfurt playing in Fold because of how the layup is and how intimate and close everyone is to the kind of DJ booth he was really enjoying it but anyway, I remember Jimmy Jules playing a really early set during that early Indivision label night, like super early. He must have played like, I don't know, let's say like a 7 to fucking 9 p.m. set or something, right? He wasn't that well known. He saw the producer kind of thing, not in the kind of the background. And no one really kind of knew who he was and the place was kind of empty. And I think he even made a comment when he kind of finished his set. It's like, oh, I saw you guys dancing like me and my friend, you know, thanks for like hanging around and being the fan of the song. So he clearly, you know, you could tell, you know, in terms of him remembering what our faces looked like, it wasn't that packed. Roll on this time at Lost in a Moment UK, I go to, I see Jimmy Jules from afar, and I'm wanting to ask him to take a picture of him on my film camera, and he legitimately must have got stopped like six times because we were standing just next to the gates where all the VIP guests were going into the poor cabins in their little green room. I swear on my life, this guy got stopped like six, seven times by random people to take pictures. It was so cool to see to see him to go see to see him go from, you know, t saying thanks to me and my friend for dancing one time early on his set during a graveyard shift to him now suddenly being stopped like seven times before he goes to the green room was fucking cool to see, and it was just kind of like you know a testament to kind of his artistry, and how cool he, how great his music is. The recent album that he put out was fucking phenomenal, um, really really amazing kind of artist. So that was kind of cool to see kind of in real life. Um, but yeah, here's a video someone played here from the Indivision label, sorry from the Indivision lovers group of Manila Tough playing. I actually haven't seen this video actually. We actually weren't in the front of it, we were standing in the back one, kind of hear what, what what this kind of sounded like. Oh, and one thing also, the sound. The sound was incredibly good. 
Um, don't get me wrong, not as good as Primavera sound or whatnot, because you know that's kind of for me the benchmark of sort of like open air um, sound system sound levels, right? When I went to Primavera sound over the first year, I was like, oh my god, it's incredible. Of course, I'm coming from a very low standard because you, most UK events that are open air, the sound is always terrible because for the most part the local council sort of stipulate they have to put the sound at a certain level um, because of sound pollution issues and neighbours complaining and whatnot and just generally maybe people are just not giving a fuck about going the extra mile when it comes to like sound systems and whatnot and just you know being okay with two powered monitors or whatnot but they really went hard with the sound the sound was great like you could hear it really clearly even if you're standing just outside the sort of like area where the event was you could hear it very clearly if you're standing just like the trees where the main stage was it was really really good sound like proper, proper good sound It was good. It was amazing, man. No, it was good. It was really, really good. Looking back at the videos now, I can bloody hell, man. What an incredible, incredible, incredible time. Um, big up everyone that attended if you were there. Let's put it. Who's this? Oof. But yeah, big up everyone there that was attending. It was absolutely incredible night. Um, incredible day, actually, event altogether. Big up everyone at Labyrinth that put it together. All the DJs that performed. I had a hell of a time. I enjoyed it. I had a blast. I probably ended up peaking too early. I was absolutely dying on the train home to London. But again, um, I think all well and good, all well and good. Moving on. So, over the weekend, it felt like a whole flurry of pictures actually my skin is itching because of sunburn or pictures and of flipping and videos of our guy hunter biden was all over the flipping social media right all over social media and i'm obviously not going to share any of the images here on my flipping podcast because i'll probably end up getting a fucking strike on my channel and shit but i'm sure most of you guys have seen it. and if you haven't essentially um, it looks like i don't know if this is the same laptop or computer or whatever that hunter biden left all this incriminating stuff on but it feels like it's a never-ending stream of stuff right it never stops coming so for some reason a random set of stuff came out and essentially what it pictures i think there was one really weird one where it looks like he's sitting in a sauna or like a pool room or like something right which is with weird like um what do you call it blue lights is it blue lights all like the things in belly and he's sitting in there clearly high off something having a drink having a white claw i think and just staring at the camera looking at himself and then there's another couple of videos where he is it looks like with some sort of female company whether he paid for it or not we don't know but he's essentially talking about crack and whatnot and i think one of them is arguing with a girl about how much crack he's bought and putting it on a scale and seeing how much it is and just recording every bit of it he's doing and it's just interesting because for me you know i'm you know 
I'm a self I'm a self proclaimed party boy, right? I've I've been known to get a little bit buck wild when it comes to me going out and getting on it and stuff, whatever it may be. But I've never in my wildest dreams had an inclination to live stream myself getting on it to live to video record myself even if it's clips just for my own consumption to video record myself like doing stuff it just wasn't something that ever crossed my mind because you're so sort of like lost in the moment no pun intended and you're sort of kind of just you know just focused on whatever you're doing at the time that you're doing it that you're not really thinking about recording anything and of course it's pretty much you know the most incriminating thing you could do to yourself like why would you censure yourself in such a way this doesn't make any sense but again not something that ever crossed my mind and i think the most the worst stuff you've probably done or especially in my opinion or what i've maybe done is maybe taking maybe too many selfies right in toilets and whatnot and then you look back at them the next day and you just cringe because you know clearly you were off your face when you were taking those selfies but it's never been videos it's never been that deep so whenever i see these clips of hunter biden clearly enjoying himself with these videos and stuff of his female company and just off his face it makes me wonder is crack that yummy because again i've never had crack never tried it never will try it but it's crack that yummy and that good of an experience that it just leads you inclination wise or it just makes you inclined to go out there and just record yourself and have video evidence of some of your best crack nights is that what it actually does to you because it might explain a lot of reasons why you know, especially in place where I live in, you know, in a really fucked up place, in a really kind of rough area of East London, you will see like teams and scores of kind of these crackhead zombie guys and girls walking around everywhere, pacing it, right? They're proper legging it, pacing it from spot to spot, looking maybe for the next fix or whatever it may be they're going to go do. And for the most part, it looks like they're having the weather of a time from the outside, right? They look like they're all together, they're hanging around, they're going for a walk, they're keeping themselves fit. But it is a very adhd sort of like restless fidgety kind of drug so maybe um one action of being fidgety and not being able to kind of just chill and relax you in your high is maybe the inclination to wash some plates organize your room or whatnot some people do that when they get high or maybe just record yourself uh, and have all this video evidence but i also heard people say online that maybe because hunter biden comes from such privilege and he essentially has been handed the lottery ticket in terms of who his dad is in terms of the privileges he's been afforded growing up in terms of how easy it's been for him to basically have all the money in the world to do whatever he wants and to kind of you know fly under the radar for the most part because he was the second brother if i'm not if i'm not if i'm not um mistaken the younger brother um and obviously the older brother much was kind of bestowed upon him who unfortunately ended up passing away but he essentially had the second brother thing where you could essentially just kind of get away with stuff in the shadows because your older brother usually got most of the sort of like blame for things which i ended up getting same sort of thing so maybe because of all those privileges and all those kind of advantages been afforded in life he's doing this sort of weird thing where his reaction to it is to kind of self-sabotage himself in the hope of maybe bringing him down to sort of quote-unquote reality that's how i think someone hypothesized the other day i heard someone really, i think oh that might be an interesting reason why that might be a case because i really can't for any reason figure out why anybody who's doing any sort of like class a substances on a consistent basis right why you would want to record yourself to that level of an extent it doesn't make any sense like i know for me personally the most i've kind of done is gone on like really kind of dark 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 um discord groups where you essentially get online with people and you know you're high off your mind and you can kind of just hang out and talk to people online chat or go on like a video chat and stuff and hang around with randoms from around the world 
most of the people on there are people you probably would never speak to in real life and they're not the most coolest people in the world but when you're high and you're kind of just chatty and just restless and shit it's nice to just have someone to kind of talk to or just listen to it in the background to kind of keep you company you know some people do that before they go to sleep they'll just put in a youtube video and have it just playing so they can just have something kind of in the background to kind of keep them occupied or to feel like they're not alone in the room but that's the most of it that's the most but to kind of sit at home with my phone and record myself having a session or whatnot just feels weird it just feels strange and again it's not it would never be the first thing that i would kind of go to there'll be many many things i'll do prior to then go to just straight to that thing but again maybe it's just a one of the weird curses and one of the kind of double-edged swords of being very privileged and being somebody that's been afforded the luxuries in life that sometimes you just never feel comfortable in your own skin and you always feel like you don't deserve what you what's been kind of given to you or what the, you know the gift that you've been kind of given in terms of your upbringing and shit which i've never really understood i think i've said this to many of my friends who are kind of you know from wealthy families or have a, a parent who worked really hard and busted their ass to afford them a really good life that's a gift that's a privilege right that's something a lot of people don't get because most people in the world aren't rich and don't have a lot of money so the fact that you've got parents who are able to kind of afford you you know have the ability to maybe help you put some money down the house or maybe help you to buy a car or buy the car for you or just get you out of jams if you've got you've been you know in a weird financial position that's a great thing and should be celebrated because on the flip side i think people who come from rough backgrounds and rough upbringings also over fetishize and over embellish and really kind of gas up and put way too much spice on their origin stories about getting it from the mud and I didn't have anything and no one believed. It's all a bit, you know, you kind of big it up and make it more than it is so you can make it way more of a compelling story. But I feel like there's a balance to be had in terms of not kind of, you know, going out of your way to just be a brat and really not kind of take, not really be um, appreciative of your family's wealth. And there's also the other side of things of also not kind of ascribing your success to every bad thing that happened to you in life because that's not also, you know, the truth about it. Because sometimes you make it when you're just, you know, sometimes you make it despite being rich, sometimes you make it because you're rich, you know what I mean? It's not really, there's no exact science to it, but the Hunter Biden thing fascinates me. It really doesn't. If anybody out there has any thoughts and opinions as to why somebody that does that much crack would be obsessed with taking pictures of themselves, documenting it to this extent, and everything that makes it weird too. You would imagine if somebody was really obsessed with recording themselves doing drugs or having sex with people, whatever it may be, just recording video evidence of themselves or taking pictures of themselves, you would imagine that person would be a lot more tech savvy, right? Would be a lot more aware of their data, a lot more sensitive about the information, whatever it may be, right? There would be someone that would be somewhat paranoid about all that kind of stuff to the point where they wouldn't just put their laptop in a repair shop and forget i mean they'd be a lot more careful about how they do things maybe it'd be an external drive it would all be an encrypted something like just something knows that because they know how you know how um how kind of uh, dangerous that material may be or evidence will be in the wrong hands but for some reason it doesn't seem to happen to hunter biden it really hasn't and it seems that there's been a weird media blackout around it too people aren't really talking about it too much and you think to yourself like especially in the u.s if this happened this would have happened to one of fucking donald trump's sons like and he wasn't you know in this sort of you know mess just imagine the headlines in the news but you know whatever i'm not gonna get into that because i'm just not a political podcast but anyway we continue
Next on the list, I want to quickly mention, touch upon what happened at Wireless last weekend or yeah, previous weekend ago. Um, the only thing I want to mention off the back of it because the shows looked fucking incredible watching them online and whatnot. And I just learned recently actually that so I'm not sure if this is actually true, but what I've just been told, so I'm just going to repeat it because it's going to be, you know, when I repeat it again, it sounds like facts. But someone told me that Wireless is one of the only festivals that is 16 and up which might explain why when i was watching i was like how come there's so many kids there in it because i don't remember why it's ever being so inundated and full of kids but then it made sense if it's one of the only ones that's 16 and over that kids can go on their own and also made sense why the vibe was so electric because those kids let's say from 16 to 21 they actually listen to all these artists that are playing on that wireless lineup every single day on their Spotify and Apple Music, on YouTube, on the dance floor, on TikTok. Like they're actually listening. They're actually active consumers. It's not like just, you know, adults who just don't mind going to just see a show or two. These are like legit super fans of whoever's performing at that venue or so on that, on that stage at that time. And one of the best clips to come off the back of it, of everything that happened at wireless, is this amazing clip featuring Summer Walker where she's on stage singing and for any of you guys that doesn't know, from what I've kind of understood as well, looking from the outside in, because I'm a big fan of Summer Walk and I love her albums and stuff. I love, you know, her writing. I love just everything about what she puts out there, right? But I think personally, she's kind of suffered a lot in terms of her personal relationships online and stuff and how she's basically been perceived and also how she's kind of dealt or managed stardom, right? In terms of her ability to maybe take criticism, um, just how she acts as an artist. And then when she does perform live, her lack of maybe stage presence and the lack of dancing and moving around and it just being a bit static, whatever it may be, right? There's been a lot of, I felt like, unnecessary attention being put on the fact that she doesn't dance, doesn't have people dancing behind her, doesn't really move around too much. And it's just sort of like stationary, sort of like singing these amazing emotional kind of R&B ballads. But I definitely appreciate it because I don't think everyone's, you know, everyone's got the ability or capacity to be to be up there kind of crunking and stomping their feet like Beyonce and Ciara. It just doesn't make any sense. But then I also think that she didn't have the opportunity to be in front of actual actual hardcore fans like fans that just love what she does in terms of singing vibes and i think one of the best things about the uk crowds is that we're so used to and such big fans of live music that for the most part you could be sitting there or you could be on the hospital bed on stage and if people love your songs they're going to be fucking singing along to them all the way through and i felt like for the first time because i think she's completely unaware of what uk crowds are like or what european crowds are like she was there sitting down in her wicker basket kind of in a wicker basket chair and just singing and hoping that it would be okay and it would go well and the crowd were reacting to it really well because they were singing back these lyrics to her like word for word like crazy word for word and and it's no surprise to me because you know you go to some uk clubs and if they have big dj technology just playing or house just playing and they've got a really big massive tune that's worldwide and well known like a jeff mill song like the bells or something there'll be and i've done it myself there'll be people in a crowd literally humming along to the fucking song humming along to the bass line wherever it may be to the melody like it's fucking nuts how much people do it and it's something that kind of some people look down upon and think oh, that's a bit corny but i love it because i think if you're an artist there's no better kind of um there's no better um what would you call it there's no better mark of respect um, for your artistry and what you put out there than people just belting back and singing in their most horrible voice every single word that you spend countless hours and days sort of like crafting in your studio and getting done. That I don't think there's any other better way than do it. So this is a clip of Summer Walker kind of 
finally seeing the love and seeing the moment that UK crowds are maybe better than US crowds when it comes to appreciating their artists. What a fantastic way to connect with the crowd too. To be that emotionally vulnerable where you're crying and then the crowd can maybe, you know, figure out that, oh shit, maybe she's crying because of how much we're giving her love and then they're going to turn it up a notch again to make you even more emotional. Do you know what I mean? So it's a fucking amazing symbiotic moment that happened there. Come on, man. UK crowds are the best. UK crowds are, and again, it made me think overall. There's plenty of other videos that kind of, you know, show that happening. There's a Rowdy Rich videos, there's Lou Uzi Vert videos, Tyler Creator Tyler performing at Wireless videos. Like, some of the reactions to some of these artists were incredible. And it made me just think to myself, like, why don't some of these US artists really go out of their way to try and perform here more often? It makes no sense. Like, they don't come here often anyway. So number one, you're always going to have the possibility of selling out more shows here than you would in the States because people don't see you here often enough. So they're going to, you know, not take it for granted that you're here in the first place. And also you have legit super fans, like fans that just listen to you and you alone when they're going to work, listen to you and you alone when they're going for issues with their friends, listen to you you alone in the classroom, whatever it may be, to the gym. They legitimately know your catalogue backwards and forwards. Like... It, it really is a kind of a missed opportunity. And I know from consuming a lot of US culture, sorry, consuming a lot of US kind of content and watching a lot of interviews with artists, from what I can ascertain, a lot of the reasons why they don't do it is mostly because of laziness. Mostly because it's a 14 hour flight here to the UK or, you, or in parts of Europe. You have to make it kind of worth your while. And you have to kind of book a lot of dates. You can't really just do a couple of dates here and then and go back. It's not worth your time. So it's a kind of, it's a big investment. You essentially have to kind of, you know, scratch off a month in your calendar to go somewhere that you're not really familiar with and a place that you're not really sure you're going to really be received that well at when really you could guarantee that you get yourself, you know, if you stay home, you can guarantee that you're going to get, you know, a certain amount every weekend just from doing walk-ins at clubs or doing appearances or doing little sets somewhere. You know, you don't have to move anywhere. Do you know what I mean? You can probably get paid to do interviews from fuck, on fucking YouTube and shit if you just stay home and stuff. So I understand the... Um, the kind of, 
I understand why they would be lazy and why they'd kind of be comfortable to just stay. But I do honestly hope that some of this footage from Wireless has gone viral of these fans and these kids just absolutely singing and belting out these artists' songs word for word, bar for bar. I hope it will kind of show them that there are actually, there are actually a lot of kind of hardcore fans of theirs here hardcore music fans also because i still have fr i still have friends on my instagram page now that i can kind of think of people that i've kind of known in the scene who are legitimate fans and go out of their way to see loads of people live they book tickets to see people live all the fucking time and i feel like those kind of people who go to events and live events all the fucking time they exist all over the uk and i don't think they have the same level of sort of like hardcore live fan addicts as we do here in the uk via the us i don't think so in general and just in general in terms of appreciating and showing the love in terms of dancing and moshing and getting on it and stuff and singing people just don't care here you know what i mean when they go to festivals they go to events they pay their good money usually it's pretty expensive too usually you've had to kind of maybe maybe you have to even buy it on fucking resale from a ticket scalper maybe you've had to queue up a long time to go get it maybe you've the only thing you've got to enjoy for the rest of the year so when you do go people here really let their hair down and really enjoy themselves so there's none of this kind of too cool for school standing on a side crossing their arms no 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 they're gonna be singing and bowing their hits and it's even better because in this clip even even from this little screen grab here right all you can see are kids with their phones in the air, but they're still screaming. They're still screaming the lyrics back at her, so they're still engaged. I mean, they're still kind of showing out for the artists there and not just kind of recording it through their screen like fucking zombies, which is fucking cool to see. But yeah, that was a really cool video to see over the weekend and a real good reminder, a really good wake-up call on just how amazing the live music kind of culture and scene is here in the UK compared to anywhere else in the world. It really is unparalleled. Moving on. This is also a really cool picture that I kind of stumbled across on social media featuring Playboy Carti Offset and Lucas Sabat at the Balenciaga Couture show the other day. And I loved all of it because, number one, I feel like Offset looks the best I've ever seen him look in terms of when the Balenciaga and his sort of designer sort of clothes. It feels like in the last couple of years or so, he has been kind of um, taken in open arms by the Balenciaga family in terms of them to sort of like use them as a muse and use them on runways and lookbooks and stuff and just editorial things here and there and images and I feel like the first couple of times I saw him wearing Balenciaga he looks a little bit awkward I don't think it really kind of suited how he kind of dresses and stuff but it seems like over time he's kind of got more comfortable in wearing the things or maybe he's got more choice in terms of what he's able to pick that maybe suits his style a lot more but whatever it may be Offset looks incredible now in Balenciaga he looks really fucking good so big up offset then of course in the middle we've got the one and only playboy carty and he obviously has looked amazing recently in recent times wearing balenciaga wearing vetimar i feel like recently that's kind of been his kind of staple go-to wardrobe on tour um on live appearance sorry on what he's doing on tour when he's doing his live shows in places other places too and other appearances when he pops up in terms of fashion shows and shit he's just been decked out head to toe in Blanchard or Vetemar and I would legitimately pay good money to see what his wardrobe is like in terms of his collection for Vetemar and Blanchard because it must be insane because he gets loads of old archive pieces that you can't actually get in stores anymore get sent to him courtesy of Vetemar during you know from like the, the Demna era of Etimar and he also gets obviously the kind of newer stuff from Blanchard now that he's wearing now that he makes it look really good and I also like this new um, persona he's kind of using for himself in terms of the face paint when he goes to places I think it's really creative really cool it's sort of like he's 
alter ego when he's at these different places in terms of the playboy card that you see kind of data or the playboy card that he is day to day and then when he kind of steps out of these shows i really really do like that so take everything about it um of course these new balenciaga rain boots are due to be coming out soon i'm not really a big fan of i don't like how pointy the toes are and stuff but again i just like how different and sort of unique the look is and then of course on the right here we got lucas about who i think probably has looked his best um in recent times in terms of how he's dressing because i felt like from an outsider's looking point of view it did feel like he was kind of maybe a little bit uninspired and not really getting the fits off as a way he was maybe getting them off in the past because you know back in the day he was really snapping in terms of the outfits but i feel like what he's wearing now in terms of the head to toe it feels like Balenciaga that he's gone at the moment in terms of an, it's a, a, a reappropriated or sorry um, a redone version of their M65 it looks like some big pants and these sort of like 3D loafer things that people are wearing nowadays he looks really really cool in this outfit too so I think this is a the great and best way to sort of advertise and market what them is doing at Balenciaga and to kind of give people an idea of how it can be worn, you know, in kind of real time, in real life with different people, different body shapes, different sizes and shit, different sort of styles. I thought they all looked fucking incredible there at the show. And then, of course, the show itself, the Range Jacques Couture show was really something to behold, especially when it comes to those. What are they? I think they were designed by BMW or something, right? The face mask. I forgot who, who they were by, but they looked absolutely amazing. It sort of made the models look like... um the tesla ai bot that's meant to be coming out very soon and then supposedly this bag was also designed in collaboration with bang and bang and olsen it's sort of like a portable speaker that you can kind of carry around with you and play tunes out loud and stuff and annoy your neighbors so that was pretty cool to see but overall as a couture collection you know it's just stellar work again from demna really 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 good stuff Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of the of the couture stuff when it comes to Balenciaga. It's the stuff that I would go out and obviously buy because a lot of it I can't buy because it's incredibly, incredibly expensive. And obviously, it's only for a select group of people. It's meant to be a bit more exclusive in blah, blah, blah. It's what couture is in terms of avant-garde, in terms of highbrow. But in terms of what he's presenting and what he's kind of elevating to the level of couture, I really do like that. I really do like that conversation in terms of taking a denim suit, in terms of taking a hoodie, in terms of taking a pair of jeans and sort of telling you, hey, this is also couture i think is a really really cool way to kind of go about things oh so you're telling me those jeans that luca's wearing recently his ig pictures are from the condemned the couture collection jesus that's a that's a snappage isn't it that is a front and a half but yeah so i do like that idea behind it i mean he's taking hoodies he's taking jeans he's taking conventional non-couture items and elevating it to this really high level because for sure this is you know the amount of hours i've been spent to craft this hoodie or this pullover hoodie or zip hoodie to look the way it does the materials probably used are just crazy i'm sure um so that's pretty good to see um it, from obviously myself being a mostly of a streetwear head right because in terms of that look at that denim suit there's probably been a lot of time spent on it and made it to what it is at the moment. Um, yeah, so everything about it was absolutely incredible in that regard. And then, moving on, what else is there? Pew, 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 pew. Oh, it's all like this, yeah. So someone made a tweet, obviously, off the back of... It felt like a, mostly off the back of the wildest performance and some other appearances of Playboy Carter on tour where he's been obviously donning the face paint and kind of going out there and really kind of expressing himself in terms of his artistry, in terms of his kind of um, expression and whatnot and how he presents himself as a artist. I kept saying the same thing again and again, but you know what I mean, right? Um, but there's a, obviously a different sort of persona he's kind of trying to ensue on stage, similar to what 
Kanye was doing with the mask and the stage show and the kind of the kind of Superman esque sort of like character he was playing. And Playboy Kanye sort of like following that lead and kind of doing his own sort of version in a very punk DIY sort of like you know quote unquote horror sort of way. And for whatever reason. It hasn't been getting the greatest reaction from people online, right? Despite this being a, I think, like a long time coming because people have been calling this guy gay goth ninja for a while, ever since, you know, the times he kind of linked up heavy with Matthew Williams and started getting into her leaks and stuff and then started wearing a lot of Rick and then started getting obviously in a lot to Balenciaga and stuff. It felt like this time was always going to come. We were slowly but surely going this direction. And for whatever reason, some people are still kind of hell-bent or stuck on what Kylie's looked like prior in terms of Jordan 4s and skinny jeans and whatnot and Supreme hoodies. And he just can't see past that or see why he's evolving into the person he is now. And this tweet here demonstrates it. And it says, look what, look why drugs are doing, look what drugs are doing to this man, I guess. Maybe there's some makeup, but this is mostly drugs. I miss the old Carti. And I made a comment on it myself saying that how... It's just annoying how in the black community, for whatever reason, the moment you kind of veer outside of the conventional norms, maybe the moment you go out of the kind of um, normal, everyday way that most black people present themselves as, is the moment people legitimately start questioning your sanity, start asking you if you may be taking too many drugs, if you worship Satan, all this sort of nonsense things. I've had to kind of battle and deal with that kind of stuff my whole life. I've always been into metal. I've always been into punk. I've always been into kind of indie music and just stuff that wasn't necessarily garage hip hop and R&B. And it would always be a conversation or a question be asked about you in terms of, oh, you think you're white or you take too many drugs or um, you don't know who you are. Just loads of really strange things would be said about you just because I had interest that kind of you didn't really maybe expect from most black people that you kind of spoke to which i think again was really dumb too because it's just music right it's just clothes it's just fashion it's just art it doesn't have any color it doesn't have any kind of race um that you have to be in terms of enjoying those kind of things and if anything for me coming from it being a black dude it always used to kind of annoy me when i go to punk shows and stuff or metal shows and people there wouldn't think i was a legit fan because I didn't look like them. For instance, the punk shows, especially, especially when I was into all that kind of stuff, you'd go to the shows and everyone would have a particular look where it was kind of wearing studded wristbands and, you know, um, checkerboard vans and bondage pants and shit or skinny jeans and really big skate shoes or whatever the stars at the time. If you didn't have that sort of gear on, you immediately kind of felt like you were othered, you were kind of left out. And to me, it felt dumb because I felt like everybody that was there kind of looked like a copy of each other, right? They all just kind of copied and pasted each other's outfits. And at least I came in and actually looking like myself. But then I also didn't like the idea of being defined of having no, of of my interest defining my personality, right? It's like you know how some people like they wear it on their sleeves that they're into nineteen fifties boop bop whatever that thing culture is right and they got those kind of like weird skirts on and they twirl their beards and they wear wingtip shoes and shit i don't want people to kind of be able i won't i want i don't want anyone to tell straight away what i'm into i won't want anyone to tell straight away that i can skate i don't want anyone to tell straight away that i'm into the ufc i don't want anyone to be able to know straight away that i like whiskey whatever it may be you know, some people have their personalities wrapped up in their self-image like i'm a coffee person i'm a whiskey person i think i always i've always thought that was lame i've always thought you're interested in your interest but they don't make they don't kind of make up the majority of your personality. I just think that's lame. It's like dudes are kind of overly engrossed and kind of obsessed with football in that regard. It could be part of your personality, but it shouldn't take over your entire person. And um, I feel like for some reason, that kind of is what this person reminds me of. And it was kind of triggering in that regard because I feel like 
he's not any different than how he has always been. It's a natural evolution. And also the guy's an artist, right? You're meant to be pushing the boundaries and trying to present yourself in different or reinvent yourself in different ways as possible to keep the consumer interested and excited for your new music and to also maybe explore some interesting sounds because me personally, especially being somebody that wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Whole Lot of Red when it eventually came out and then starting to love it over time as I listened to it more and started to see how it actually was presented in a live show, I'm actually even more more curious to see what he does next after whole lot of red considering how he's been exploring this sound that he's doing now and how he's been able to explore his different levels of expression i actually want to see what it kind of culminates to i think this next project after whole lot of red will actually be better right whole lot of red it might actually even be end up being better than dialect which i still think is maybe his kind of greatest album of all time but it's just a shame that you see these kind of comments happen especially on the kind of black twitter side of things when people are kind of dressed different or express themselves different or maybe just into different music and stuff like this meme going around too of him with the grills on kind of looking sinister because he clearly pulls faces and just turns into this sort of like avatar or caricature of himself on stage just as a way to kind of express himself and just be nice but people see that as like oh him tripping out balls and he's on crack his hair and whatever maybe and it says here the meme is he looked like he escaped from hell and hopped on earth right so people are going for it I'm really saying, obviously, people took this picture of him um, at wireless. I think it's wireless anyway. They fell off the stage, I think, or just fucking around. And they've clearly edited it on Photoshop to make him look way more sinister and um, Louis, what you, what you call it, whatever, evil looking. And he actually does in real life because they've kind of elongated his chin, his nose and his ears and stuff. He looks like a fucking um, elf or something. But in general, I do think it's a bit unwarranted personally for me. I really, really do think it's a bit unwarranted for me. I really do think so. The only thing I would say as a kind of criticism of Carti is I still think the live shows leave a little bit to be, to be, um, they leave a little bit to be, uh, they leave, there's room for improvement. I don't know what the term is, room for improvement basically. Because it feels like whenever he's performing live, it's essentially just like him sort of like emceeing his own tracks but it's not really him performing because most of the tracks are still with the vocal backing track he's just screaming off the top of it it's not actually him performing actually on the stage I mean it's just him kind of uh, I don't know emceeing off the tracks I just don't think that's a great way to kind of present your music especially considering he doesn't really have that many lyrics anyway just perform the songs you know what I mean perform them word for word bro you don't need to kind of sit there and I don't know, do that kind of thing. I don't know, maybe it's a weird way to go about it, but overall, I, I like his dude original. I like how he's kind of presenting himself. I think he looks fucking phenomenal. I think it really works with his image overall, and I just hope people will kind of get on it and get on board of it um, slowly but surely as he goes forward and things. Personally, I would much prefer that, but, you know, it takes time, and it? it takes a fucking time. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about these quickly. I think I mentioned this previously on another podcast in terms of me being a little bit bored and a little bit over the pattern Nike Air Max ones. And I got to take it back, the, the wave ones, I got to take it back because after seeing these white ones and obviously the story around them concerning um, Edson, one of the co-founders of Pattern, and his son who unfortunately passed away, um, these ones are really, 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 really good. And it's the Pattern um, Air Max 1 waves in white. And for some reason, I don't know what it is about the color combination of having, I guess, three variations of white on or on it, right? In terms of you've got this kind of off-white midsole, you've got this pure white on the upper, and then you've got this sort of like, I wouldn't say it's even white because it's more the gray, but let's just say three versions of white in terms of a grayish, metalish kind of 
mesh here on the grey upper it just sets it off each other so fucking well and if anything this for me is one of the better colorways to come off of this waves collection with air max ones oh sorry with pattern and stuff um since the first sort of couple of colorways that dropped remember when we first saw the first couple of colors, i think the, what was it green and blue or whatnot that's fucking amazing this kind of restored that sort of feeling and it also kind of reminded me of like seeing crazy one-away samples or beasts or, or beast samples or just stuff randomly mass on ebay of like old air maxes from back in the day and then kind of picking those up Do you know what i mean that's what they kind of feel like in terms of the shape in terms of the, what they just look like overall with the color balance and stuff it just looks fucking perfect and i think there needs to be a lot more credit being put on people nowadays because i feel like for a long time even myself included when it came to sneaker collections or secret collaborations i always for me felt like collabs I always thought for me like collabs are just kind of centered around colorway changes were a little bit lazy and a little bit easy to do i always wanted to see brands kind of push themselves and try to make new models from the ground up or maybe pick a model from a retro that wasn't the most used one like try and go for something that might challenge you a little more as a designer or challenge your consumer in terms of what silhouettes and shapes that they want to wear but I do think nowadays, especially considering the stuff that I've seen Jown do with New Balance and whatnot, the stuff that Teddy Santis is doing now with New Balance, of course, with New Balance USA, and I have some other people too that have done some really cool stuff. I think nowadays the the kind of execution level that people are having in terms of putting together really cool colorways on existing models that have been really rinsed and kind of overdone is incredible because make no mistake in my opinion i think the waves mudguard or sort of like style that they've got in this mx1 i think personally improves the shape tenfold now i don't know if this is done on purpose or if it's done for, or, or if they actually did change the molding of the shoe but the shape of it without late without um without the kind of foot thing that people put in it without somebody's foot kind of pinning it down without somebody wearing a size seven with pin rolls on it just the shape of how flat that looks on the outside no banana toe foot thing i think has been helped a lot with this kind of like wave sort of thing that's kind of wraps around the the fucking toe box and whatnot but make no mistake if this is just a normal air max one this would still look amazing too so i think that goes to show how great this sort of colorway designs i think there isn't enough respect and kind of props given to people who are just able to put together sick colorways because of course you can go to nike and try and make your own model from the ground up and stuff if they give you the access to do so or the materials and the resources cool but if you can also crush a colorway on a model that's completely rinsed that's kind of maybe overdone and maybe oversaturated in terms of the mx1 especially when you think about the mx1 days and all that sort of stuff also the mx day in general the fact that they were able to still make something so covetable and desirable goes to show just how talented that group of guys are in general when it comes to pattern it should be no surprise also because these guys have what 20 plus years experience in the sneaker game um you know i've i've known about them ever since i used to post on crooked tongues forum back in the day um i've I kind of know some of them by loose association i don't know them personally but i know of them who they are via loose association with people that i've kind of known in the kind of london sneaker scene and whatnot and i know they're all kind of very 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 legit people so there is no kind of um jokers or pretenders in their crew or whatnot but still that being said 
sometimes you can still end up smelling your own farts and thinking you're fucking Einstein. So the fact that they were able to still come together and put together these bomb-ass colorways and just drop them one after the after one after the other after the other and sell those bitches out continuously just goes to show these guys know what they're doing. And I don't know what I'm talking about when I say I was bored of them because I'm not. Because this colorway is fucking banging. I'm definitely going to try and get a pair for myself because they look so good. Like just that, like I said, there's just that free colorway combination in terms of whether that gray is the pure white here on the upper, the off-white midsole, the all-white outsole. It's just beautiful. If anything, the only thing I would have maybe changed if it was me, if it was me, was maybe change the color of the fucking airbag. Maybe make it a bit more clear of a white. Maybe have a little bit of a sky blue tint in there or something. Just something to make it pop off. But apart from that, it looks fucking perfect. The only thing I think is a bit different in terms of the white application, maybe it's just me from the picture, does it look like the white on the main sort of like middle section of the Air Max is a bit different than, than the mudguard bit here or than the out, was it me? It feels like this sort of material or even the color is different than this because if you look on this picture here with the heel where it's got the Nike Air Max sign, the color of white is a little bit different than this color here around the mudguard. So maybe there is, again, that crazy level of attention to detail where they essentially they use these different whites but then also use different materials which then would show up different in the whites you know what i mean so if you had three different types of material in terms of let's say smooth leather new buck and maybe i don't know metallic and you had them in whites they would come up different in terms of how they looked um the texture and whatnot um yeah so maybe that is kind of what's basically happened with these but regardless man they look absolutely banging i love everything about them they really did a stellar job and according to over under these will be available in the summer of 2022 no date it's thus it's going to be retaining 140 pounds which is nuts but hey those that's the prices and they're going to be available at sneakers uh, on the sneakers app and also on pat's website so if you haven't already decided if you want them i recommend checking out these pictures and oh look at that they look they look like they're glowing do you know what they look like they remind me they kind of look like you remember um, those old school mariah carey videos where it looks like she's glowing. She's got like a halo around her and shit. That's what they kind of look like to me. They, like you're floating. Do you know what I mean? Like legitimate um, walking on heaven shoes. Really amazing, man. Really, really well done. Um, I think there's a friends and family version too, if I'm not mistaken, um, as well. But yeah, they've got a hang tank here. Each one, teach one. Like fucking great. Again, the only reason, the only problem I have again with them, slight bugbear and such pet peeve of mine being a avid sneakerhead myself is the lack of relacing you can't be patent and have these be your official product images and not have the shoes relaced properly like this is just horrible to see but again small things in it small things but overall really really great really well done shoe can't wait to see them in hand and i'm gonna obviously try my best to try and get myself a pair but if not be successful is a completely other thing um what else are we going to do here move on oh so it's let's move on to let's move on to this one uh let's do that already bish bash bosh let's go guys quickly so this cuts your tmz and it says here news regarding kanye west and his yeezy supply retail store may be coming soon 
So it says as follows. Um, Kanye West left his mark on a ton of industry shoes, clothing, and even stem players. And now he is laying groundwork for what could be a retail store for his wares. Ye and his legal team recently filed trademarks for Yeezy Supply for retail stores, online ordering services, and online retail services. Fans might be already familiar with Yeezy Supply, a website Kanye has used to sell limited edition shoes or clothing in the past, but a new trademark suggests he's going bigger, possibly open brick and mortar stores. Kanye's latest filing obtained by TMZ includes just about every clothing item you can wear from g-strings socks hats visors and tennis wear and leaves plenty of creative room for accessories headwear and head and uh and footwear um of course he's already dealing so the news is basically that maybe there is a possibility that Kanye is going to be opening a user supply store and i'm not really surprised because there was always that conversation around him doing it with gap um I think there was a image went around when he was announced as a, um, what was it? I don't know if he's, is it a creative director or he's got a gap or whatever it may be, the partnership he's got with Gap. There was this picture that went around that was a viral picture of a local uh, officer of a Gap store in Chicago that was draped in this amazing sort of like um, cover thing that had Kanye sort of like writing on it. And I think it was some sort of note about, you know, how inspiring it was that he was able to get this Gap deal after working at a Gap when he was younger and always wanted to kind of work with them in that sort of capacity and kind of dress people and whatnot and set the mood in terms of style and bloody blah 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 and it always felt like that would be a natural way to kind of dip his toes in the retail market by you know linking up with a legit retailer using their resources and kind of using the opportunity to sort of like um display and show what his vision of retail would be like because i'm sure knowing Kanye and having knowing how anal and picky and how attention to detail oriented he is and just how obsessed he is about kind of presenting and showcasing these things in unique ways the store wouldn't just be some classic you know shortage store with kind of you know a brown bench and shit and bare walls it would definitely be an experience definitely be something that would kind of be a bit of a sensory overload something that would kind of challenge your perceptions of what a retail store would look like and would just kind of be like something you'd expect from the you know from the kind of team behind Yeezy and Donda and whatever they do out there so I think going forward, I think I mentioned already on Twitter as well I think some people made some mock-ups of stores that basically had the same funny uses for Yeezy supply it's on a retail store and they're basically putting it on outside of a shop. I don't necessarily see there being a retail store connected with Kanye that would have some overt signage on it. I don't think that was going to happen. I think he would probably go for something a little bit more nondescript, something that would kind of harken back to the good old days of like, you know, um, Ura, what do you call it? Urahara, Tokyo and Japan, all those kind of back in the day times where streetwear stores or fashion stores had no signages and they were down weird alleys. And if you knew, you knew. And when you went into the building, it kind of transformed into this sort of like weird labyrinth of amazing things. A modern version of it would maybe kind of be a Dover Street where usually the inside of Dover Street looks way more crazy than the outside. So I think those sort of things will kind of appeal to him more, having a place that looks kind of you know, nondescript and kind of utilitarian and then stepping into it and you get transported into a whole different world. So don't expect there to be like a really bait Yeezy store with his face in the front of us stuff. I don't think that's going to happen, but I definitely can envision envision a retail store for sure because the stuff Kanye does and the stuff he makes, I think it is a bit of shame that people don't get to touch it in real life because I think once you do touch a lot of the stuff that he makes, especially the Yeezy kind of runway collection stuff, it kind of makes you appreciate a lot of the work and attention to that goes into it, especially when it comes to the, even the hoodie leader gap. I felt 
someone's hoodie in real life that, that he actually made and the quality of it is absolutely outstanding really really outstanding the shape of it the finish of it like it's really really well done but you don't get to see a lot of it because you just get to see pictures of a jpeg or somebody's crappy picture they took of, of the hoodie on their bed and stuff you don't really actually get to see what the quality of it looks like the fit the materials the construction the finish you don't really get to see that so being able to touch and feel that in a retail store would definitely go a long way in terms of being able to spread the gospel of using what Kanye is doing in terms of store so I'm really really looking forward to it I really really am um, and I can't wait to see what he does and I think there was actually a post here that he uploaded recently just now regarding some guy I guess he had dinner with a gap was it some guy called Bob L Martin and this is as follows um, on my mum's birthday I was able to for the first time to sit in on a gap call with Bob Martin Bob Fisher and other leaders of the company okay this is gap people right and Bob Martin was one of the most inspiring people I heard speak in business he kept saying to go to stores on the call I came to gap to put good product directly in stores we've had two of the biggest sales days in gap history since I've been here we've sold 14 million dollars worth of, pro of, of worth of perfect black hoodies at 80 dollars a hoodie off of a television commercial that was one time wow i came to gap to bring good quality products for people at times bob and i need to meet with you soon as possible so clearly i guess off the back of the news of him doing user supply store stuff and maybe this is kind of a bit of a clever play to also put um adidas in a position where they kind of have to buck to him in terms of um him maybe asking for more autonomy in terms of getting his own stores put up because i'm sure that's probably a conversation they've been having for a long time and it feels like he's been slowly but surely trying to pull away from adidas and sort of do his own thing does that make sense to you maybe um but maybe this is a good way to sort of like get them to agree to your demands by kind of flirting with Gap and making it known that you kind of want to do your own thing through them and whatnot. Because if you wanted to, if you wanted to do, I'm not sure what the deal is with footwear, but if you wanted to do a separate sort of footwear deal under the Yeezy umbrella with Gap, that would probably be something he could maybe work out and get around in it. Maybe, I'm not too sure, but overall, I'm really curious to see where this kind of leads and where this kind of goes to because it's going to be a very interesting um, few years or whatever when it comes to Kanye and what he does with the, with the Yeezy stuff going forward because I do think this is the next and best evolution with his stuff that he get, gets out there and for me personally it'll be awesome to have like a place that you can go to directly to pick up some Kanye specific sort of like wears if you wanted to have a hoodie or a t-shirt or a pair of combat pants and stuff because nowadays it's quite hard to get hold of that stuff in normal retail stores so having those sort of like stores in major cities around the world and gap being essentially a worldwide company would be fucking sick it really really would be sick so i'm really looking forward to it. i hope that does happen and hope he does get to meet bob l martin okay i'm really really hoping really praying and hoping that the recording didn't fucking die on me but for some reason my computer ended up restarting as i was flipping recording this podcast i hope i haven't lost a fucking hour's worth of fucking recording i really don't hope it had happened so i'm gonna just continue on with my point but oh my god please don't let it happen anyway let's continue so as mentioned previous times already on here before loads and loads of times i'm sure most of you are getting bored of it but again it's my podcast do i want say what i want i'm obsessed with berlin right as a place right it's not somewhere that i would want to live permanently um 24 7 not really it's somewhere that i kind of want to visit um from time to time in the year maybe four six times a year or whatnot to go and party for the most part um my overall dream and goal is to kind of get this content generation thing or whatever i'm doing now to a level where i'm able to make enough money to save and to also put down for a house or a flat or an apartment so somewhere in berlin and then be also able to kind of 
put it on places like Airbnb when I'm not living there full time because I've hope or that I know once I get to a level where I'm able to make that kind of wonga and I'm able to save that kind of amount of money that would also mean I'll be doing it full time which also mean that I could essentially do it anywhere where I have a Wi-Fi connection so where I have a Wi-Fi connection so I wouldn't exactly need to be in a certain location for us for whatever to kind of work and what I can just kind of roam around but I would also still make I think UK my base I probably wouldn't live in London I'd probably go and live somewhere outside of London maybe Manchester or Liverpool but the idea around it would be to have like a place let's say in a cheaper city like Manchester that isn't in London so I don't have to pay so much rent but I also have a place that I kind of quote unquote own in a place like Berlin that I can also kind of rent out on places like Airbnb when I'm not there full time because I'm obviously obsessed with the city but I'm also obsessed with the city in terms of its nightlife and its clubs right because I feel like Berlin essentially is the highest level of expression or execution when it comes to club culture especially when it concerning like disco and especially when it concerning techno house and maybe you know maybe third disco but just in terms of how they um treat club culture there in terms of their you know in terms of their dealings with the local governments in terms of just the attitudes around clubbing in terms of providing safe space for people from the lgbtq plus community and just in general how um serious they are about the presentation of it the culture around it the people that go to it who attend it who they who, who they let who they don't let in i really do think um you owe it yourself if you're a fan of nightlife to at least go there once just to see what club culture is like at the highest level now you might not like the city itself you might think the city is terrible and really gloomy and really negative and really bad and really dirty as well as a bit pretentious like i said in my previous video but in terms of just how they present and produce and put together club nights and put together clubs and how they program them and kit them up in terms of their sound systems, there is no better place to see that sort of stuff done than Berlin. There is no better place to exist, in my opinion. There's no better place in the world. So I had a bit of a rough time last time admittedly and i think a lot of it was self-inflicted looking back on it i think i was whining a bit and i was being a bit of a baby but essentially i went there a few months ago and i didn't have the best of time because i think that i put i think that i went there with the same mindset that i used to go there pre-pandemic where i essentially was going to kind of escape and run away from my issues and here i have here in the uk and it was a great way to kind of black out and just kind of enjoy what i was doing there and also at the time when i was going there but in berlin at the time my sort of like um let's say my kind of career in nightlife and in dance music and shit wasn't going as well i wasn't really having that many bookings or whatnot and i wasn't really loving the things i was doing here in london i wasn't really loving the scene so essentially i was going there to kind of you know give myself the uh present of maybe seeing it done in the best way possible and also kind of treat myself in that way right but I feel like in the last few years, the club culture here in the UK sort of got to a level where the clubs are really good. The promoters are putting on some interesting nights. And since the pandemic, this whole like alternative club night thing has popped up out of nowhere where loads of really gay, loads of, loads of amazing gay, queer, and kind of alternative sex and kinky kind of parties have popped up that really kind of filled the void in terms of making more interesting things in terms of nightlife to see. So essentially all the things people were kind of running to Berlin to, we are kind of doing it in our own sort of way. I mean, if you want to go, you can go to Kit Kat, but we've also got stuff like um, Crossbreed happening every Sunday at the Colour Factory. So those kind of things that you would kind of only see in certain cities around the world are also here on display in their own way here in the London. So 
my reasonings for going to Berlin aren't really the same as they were prior. And I think when I went there before, I had the same sort of mindset, but obviously things have changed. And then I could kind of see through all the bullshit and I was getting a bit annoyed. And maybe I was in a bad mood, whatever it may be. But another opportunity has kind of sprung up for me to go in August. And finally, the lineup for August has come out because if I'm not mistaken, the lineup for the following month always comes out on the 12th of the month that you're in so if you want to look at if you want to, if you want to figure out what the lineup is for august you wait until after i think july 12th and usually that's when the lineup comes up whatever i think so that's usually how it works out but anyway it's been published and the interesting thing about it is that it's not a stellar lineup it's not like a lineup full of amazingly crazy names but i still think now what they're doing in terms of how they're presenting their clubness i think in the kind of post-pandemic world is really interesting because it's a lot more um well-rounded and balanced i think like and i feel like it's a lot more of a one for the heads and this is something that kind of is practically one for the kind of hype in terms of just getting many tourists as well possible and they it looks like again they're kind of prioritizing giving most of the slots to residents as opposed to most of the slots to kind of outside which might be always been the case i'm not really too sure to be honest because again i don't really count the many residents that play per night but maybe it was always the case that they always had more residents than guest djs but it does feel like a lot of it is kind of a lot of kind of local people playing in terms of friends and family kind of type stuff maybe extended family people or people that are on the kind of roster in terms of resident djs so on the weekend i'll be there the finest fridays panorama bar they've got g flame i tell johnson who i've always wanted to see msjy and a person who i know shy one who's from london here that'll be cool to see her playing there and then the following saturday the main line the main lineup you've got baker playing live which i'm definitely going to go check out because last time i was there, i think baker did play live and the reviews of his set were pretty good but i missed it because i was off my face somewhere in the toilets um bestie here is playing who i'm not really too familiar with francois x i really want to see i've heard great things about him so if you want to check him out luke slater i've seen play a few times i'm a big fan of no J but i've seen play a couple of times i wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of either but you know I i'm willing to maybe um change my mind on that going forward then somebody called rolando's playing i'm not really too familiar also so i'm not too familiar with it also and vincent new i don't really know too well Panama Bar, you've got Alex Kaysen, Joe Dillion, and Bakheimer, one of my favourites that plays on there, and a really nice guy. I've kind of bumped into him and spoke to him a couple of times in the toilets, and he's always been really cool and really um, chatty and just friendly kind of guy to kind of, you know, shoot the shit with and just say, hey, I'm a big fan of, so, because some DJs don't really have that, you know, they don't really, they seem a bit weirded out when you tell them you're fans, which is strange, but I guess maybe it's the kind of too cool for school Berlin thing, but regardless, Roman Flugel, again, somebody I'm a big fan of, so I'm definitely going to be eager to see him play. Sedef Adassi, I've not actually seen play yet there, um, um, but definitely interested to see her play and then Steffi and Virginia is always an incredible lineup. I think Virginia is definitely one of the more underrated DJs in terms of Berghain or Panorama residents that kind of exist over there but the reason why I want to bring up also is that I'm also quite sure that the reason why I didn't have a great time actually you know what's funny you look at this I think this is a if I'm not mistaken this is a reggaeton night you know Reef but these I'm pretty sure these are reggaeton DJs I'm pretty sure or maybe I'm not on my or my mistake or something else, but it doesn't matter. But one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up was that I'm actually going to use this opportunity to actually go there and actually go to different clubs. So I want to go to RSO, I want to go to Club Ost, 
I want to go to what's the other place I want to go? I might want to go to Trezor since it's reopened and just see them. Do you know what I mean? So I want to do a lot of kind of just going and kind of club hopping and moving around because this time around I've saved up a lot more money to go as well. Like kind of stuff that I've kind of not eaten to take out of my paycheck. So it's going to be good in terms of just using that money as sort of like quote unquote monopoly money to just go, just go to have fun that way. And I'm just going to go there with a lot more of an open mind, open heart. And also not going there, kind of expecting it to kind of go one way. Do you know what I mean? Just sort of like allowing myself to kind of roam into interesting situations and whatnot. I'm, you know, whatever it may be. That's what I'm kind of going with mindset-wise. So I'm really looking forward to that going forward. Um, and that's really about it, really, isn't it? For the next couple of weeks going forward, that's really about it. Everything else is kind of going to be a bit winding down because the whole festival thing happened already. So there's not really much things I've got planned on my jacket, really, to go to, to be honest, really. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not going to lie. I'm really 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 looking forward to it but anyway that's Jackie's Show episode number 368 I think I said it was whatever it was thank you again for tuning in pleasure to have your company sorry about the lateness and tiredness of getting out to you but here it is if it's your first time checking out the show you know what to do like subscribe and all that if you want to come back if you're liking the show listen to it via the podcast app of course leave me a review you can leave a review via the Apple Podcast app you can also leave a review via the Spotify one you can leave five stars on both of them or four or two or one whatever maybe I don't care just let people know you listen to it that would be much appreciated and of course links to all my Patreon or that source how can be found in the description or no maybe the description maybe on the main page I don't know you'll find it patreon.com for sure if you're going to find it uh, but apart from that that's me out man um, if you listen to it via audio you'll hear a tune of the day from me if you're watching via video you won't hear a tune of the day it'll just go black and I'll see you guys again very soon. Take care. Peace. Shaitan in police uniform. Feds in the helicopter. I see pigs fly, but I never seen a unicorn. Trying to find cover on somebody's front lawn. I see an undercover and he had his gun drawn. They not like me, cause I never conform. Man want beef, but they never come forth Like CB, all I need is one call You see me alone, but I got a strong force No man can ever put my life on pause They enslaved my ancestor No remorse, I bring knowledge to you Just like the most, the knowledge they needed They're craving for more Left the yard before the chains kicked in the door Have you seen a leg man drop his stick on the floor? Say you wanna bang, you don't look like you sure I'm having the money, I'm being a hustler I carry the fire for an imposter hey, The way I hit the crossbar It's the Babylon plane in the helicopter Use knowledge and wisdom In this Babylon system But the swami was a big thing My brethren's are goblins Aiming the top bins While inhaling these toxins I'm weighing my options I ain't waiting for nothing Stay over there, come coming If I didn't save his life My brethren would have already banned him Done him I got a GoPro base, so I'm casting Took the whole hands, my friends Locked in the dungeon Come home first day, do a dumping See man dancing, his block took a washing Said it was us, but it wasn't I to keep the match with my cousin Them man there too sneaky, cunning Why you wanna be my friend All of a sudden, fuck it I'm having the money, I'm being a hustler I carry the fire for an imposter The way I hit the crossbar It's the Babylon plane